0: Namo tasa bhagavato arahato sama sambhudasa.
1: Namo tasa bhagavato arahato
0: sama sambhudasa. Homage to the blessed, noble, and perfectly enlightened one.
1: Sadantwashuri
0: the unsurpassed, deep, profound, subtle, wonderful Dharma. In a hundred thousand million eons, it's difficult to encounter. Now that I've come to receive and hold it within my sight and hearing, I bow to fathom the thus come one's true and actual meaning. Venerable Master and Dharma friends, welcome to our Sutra lecture tonight. This is the 22nd of October in the year 2011. We're here in Berkeley, California, and we're going to look into the Ten Grounds chapter of the Avatamsaka Sutra. So we start by invoking the Avatamsaka Assembly, and you'll find that name on the cover, front cover of your sutra book. So let's do that. <laughs> Please turn to page 42 and 43 in your text. Tonight is... Actually, Thomas, you should. Yeah, thanks. Thanks, Tam. We are keeping a very adorned Buddha hall, so those wearing two kinds of robes get to sit in front of those without. I didn't want to say anything because Tam is, you know, kind of established in that corner, but we have two monastics with us. That's why we're, you know. So, Buddha Hall's looking sharper these days. We are on one of those sections of the Sutra that is, sticks in your mind, unforgettable. This is one of those passages that rings out and uh, makes you want to be a poet to capture these images. Uh, or be a songwriter who puts these images to music, because these are very powerful. And also, we appreciate uh, the Vietnamese translation tonight. We've got uh, two languages going. Welcome those of you joining us online. We've had a, quite a uh, jump in our online presence. So, welcome. Welcome. We're on the bottom paragraph in the Chinese, uh, not not the very bottom, it's the second, the one that begins, 佛子, that one. In the English, it's the second from the bottom. Okay, we ready? 佛子, 菩萨摩荷萨, 朱迪三地, Guan Yi Che, 苦不尽不安稳败坏 Fei Fei Over to the right, disciples of the Buddha. Disciples of the Buddha. The Bodhisattva Mahasattva. The Bodhisattva Mahasattva having, stayed the ground, having stayed on the third ground. Contemplates the appearance of conditioned dharmas. the of conditioned dharmas. As they really are. As they really are. That is as impermanent. As suffering, as suffering as impure, as, impure as, having no peace, as having no peace as subject to destruction as, to destruction, as not lasting long as coming and going in an instant as not arising from a past time boundary as not, from a past time boundary, as not approaching a future boundary and is, in the and is staying nowhere in the present. All right. Uh, jump right in here. We're in the third ground. Uh, the uh, request was finished last week, and, and we, we spent a long time talking about Xin, this word. Uh, we uh, had some feedback online, actually, people who were listening, who emailed in and said they like mindset for Xin. So we might consider entering that as a good Buddhist as a good English language Buddhist translation of how the word shin is used here we went all over it last week remember we had a long list uh, we had what a dozen terms or more does that was it 12 or 15 terms for uh, the people nominated for the word shin, which is uh, again it's a picture of a heart and at one point people translate it as heart the bodhisattva has to, what does he have to do? He has to uh, bring forth ten profound hearts. And the idea of, a, you know, you think of a, a physical heart in the body and it's grotesque. So how many did you find it there? We had a long list anyway, twelve or so. And we went from, I started it out by saying psyche, which is uh, 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 Western analytic psychology. That's a Freudian notion, and a Jungian notion. And we went over the reasons why psyche is not the best. But from there, we were just uh, tossing out and rejecting all these good words. And mindset being, it's it's hyphenated. So it's not, you know, you don't think of hyphenated word as being a good translation choice. But why not if mindset covers what we're talking about? So let's... We're, we're kind of in that ballpark with the 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 Bodhisattva in order to get ready for the third ground um, comes up with ten different mind sets, ten different states of mind states of being state attitudes etc cetera, etc, cetera, where he is able to process and digest and then use in incorporate and uh, that is to say, put in his body these, uh, the information that he's going to get. The Dharma of the Ten Grounds, meaning the, the whole body of the teachings. All right, so, now we start. Disciples of the Buddha, the Bodhisattva Mahasattva, having stayed on the third ground, once he um, takes on this new training, contemplates the appearance of conditioned dharmas as they really are. What in the world is a conditioned dharma? Well, that's key to understanding what's going on here tonight. Essentially, everything in the world is a conditioned dharma. It means things made up of other parts. We, we say components. If I say components, people kind of have a better idea. Especially if you're a baby boomer and you used to have a stereo. I first ran into the word component when my dad was putting together a stereo system. Remember? You'd buy the various components. Now, we, when we went to boomboxes, kind of components fell away because it was all in one. You just carried your ghetto blaster you know, up in your shoulder. <clears throat> components were you bought the turntable, you bought the amplifier, you bought the speakers, and maybe if you were a, an audiophile, you bought extra woofers and tweeters. I kid you not and uh, a special cartridge and sometimes you incorporated an FM radio on it. My dad had a Harman Kardon tuner which was kind of the biggest luxury item in our house growing up. It was this, remember? Everybody, anybody had one of those? And it was an AM-FM amp. So it was an amplifier and it lit up, the dial lit up and you could see it go down the dial. I used, and it, the, uh, the, the, uh, tuner dial had some sort of lovely accelerator mechanism whereby you could spin it and it would softly down the, down the 1100 AM, 1200 AM You know, and I would just watch spin it and watch it go down because it was on like lubricated gears, you know oh is it neat, I used to just turn it on and do that just to feel it quality technology but it was tubes First of all, not transistors, it was tubes. And the action happened on the turntable, which was, children, a device that turned like a platter. And there was an arm. You'd, you'd hit the switch. And what would happen? This, the record, the 33 and a third LP, made of vinyl, heavy thing, would sit up on this spindle like this. You'd place it there, and then you would put an arm over it that would hold it in place. You'd hit the switch, and then a little thing on the side would go, and it would go, and fall down onto the turntable, where it would start to spin. And then, lo and behold, this arm would pick itself up, magically set itself down on the first groove, and the music would come up. Uh, later on, if you were really an audiophile, you didn't trust this mechanism, you did it yourself. You lifted it up and set it down very lightly on the groove. And there were like six grooves encoded on the top side. You'd flip it over and play the other six grooves. And that was an LP, a long playing uh, vinyl, 33 and a third record. Oh boy, was that something. That was my first engagement with high tech. And now mind you, I said those are components. That was the front end. The back end were the wires. And you had, you took a, you know, usually that was dad. Dad. Dad would go back there, and you know we were just out front spinning the dials. But Dad would go back and go, "Oh no, man! You got the brew and the, and the, the red and the black mixed here. Put the red and the red and the black and the black there. It's stupid, you know." And and so you you know it's like that back end was where the action happened. Anyway, so those were components, and with each, every time you reduced a component, you reduced the functionality of your Hi-fi stereo setup. So now, so we kind of nowadays with uh, the disappearance. But I understand they're returning. Thirty-three and a third LPs are kind of staging a resurgence. And there are also people who like tube amps. They don't want transistors or or uh, digital. They don't want microcircuits. So with the demise of of stereo components we still can borrow the analogy from a computer because pretty much everybody understands these days that to make a computer work, if you have a PC, you've got to have the the CPU, which is the chip. You've got to have a a display, you know, a tube. You've got to have a keyboard, you've got to have a mouse, if it's a standard PC. And then you can add to it printer, scanner, Speakers, um, you can add to it modem and you know get all the functionality out of your PC. Take away the keyboard and you can do some things with the mouse, not much. Take away the mouse and you can do keyboard commands unless you have a touchpad. So components are all the pieces that go together to create the experience of what's called computing. With the first older analogy, it was the experience called... Hi-fi, high fidelity, listening to music. So those are components. Everything, everything, everything in the world is made of components. Nothing isn't, with the exception of two things. There are two unconditioned dharmas that are in common awareness. One is empty space, they say, space itself. Space is unconditioned. There are no other components that have to come together to make space be what it is. The other is nirvana. And the problem with having nirvana as an example of, of unconditioned dharmas is only Buddhas experience it. So we can talk about it, point to it, but to actually say what it is, you have to have ended all affliction before you know what nirvana is. However, space, mm-hmm, you know... It's what's, uh, when you open your refrigerator, it's what's surrounding the milk bottle. When you look under your bed, it's that emptiness under the bed. When you put your finger in your ear, it's what allows you to dig out the earwax. That's, That's the emptiness. When you breathe, it's the thing that lets the air go through. That's emptiness. And it's as empty out past Jupiter as it is here in this room. So that space, unconditioned, nothing else has to come together to create shikong, to create that emptiness. And further, because nothing makes it, it can't be destroyed either. That's the interesting thing about unconditioned dharmas is because they don't come together, they also don't fall apart. And that's key to tonight's discussion. So there we go. Everything else is made of other stuff. So, that's the background of what we're talking about. He says, he contemplates the appearances of conditioned dharmas, ru like real appearances or attributions. What are they really like? This is how the bodhisattva on the third ground looks at him. He's busy looking at things, analyzing reality. He or she is not content to just go with it. You ever had a friend like that? Somebody who's... You know, always he doesn't take anything for granted. One of my first occurrence first uh, awarenesses of that was the um the Bill Cosby cartoon album Bill Cosby used to put out he was one of the first one of the not the first but among the first comedians to put out records, and it was called "Why Is There Air?" And he would he was making fun of somebody who who's always questioning reality. Why is there error? And he he you kind of when you heard that, you knew that this the person who asked that was probably in had a philosophy class in college and was putting on style, was styling as a philosopher. So he asked asked these questions that everybody else knows. And Cosby says, Man, I was a phys ed major. I knew why there was air. You got air to pump up basketballs with and footballs. That's why you got air. You have to ask that question. Everybody knows that. So, why is there air? People who, you know, they can look at a a chrysanthemum and go, Whoa, check out the yellow. You know, that's so yellow. And and why is it that way? Mm, Usually, we kind of roll with it. Otherwise, you can't can't get through the day. There's just too much, too much that we take for granted. So, conditioned dharmas are everything. Conditioned dharmas. It. You can. Um, there's a lot of. How does. How do. In the Pali Theravada tradition, how do you, what do you How do you refer to, conditioned dharmas, component dharmas? What's the term? Dharmas. Okay. Phenomena. Right. Conditioned, is there any reference to that as specifically? Okay. So it's a fairly common reference in, in Buddhism in English for in Chinese, yo wèi fa. Yo wèi fa. Having doing dharmas. Having being dharmas, i.e. things that you have to do something about before they exist, there has to be a creation. There has to be a birth of these dharmas, which implies what—that there was a time before they came together. If they were born, then you have like a date, and before, not. So, once there's a date of birth, you know for sure there'll be a time when they're, over, when they're gone. So. That's the background of conditioned dharmas. And it, I, I find it you know, fascinating, useful, very applicable way of looking at my life. Um, if you take time every day to contemplate conditioned dharmas as the way that we're going to find out, when things go, go wrong and go bad, when things wear out, when things decay, when things go away, It's not as big a shock. It's not as hard. Because you practiced. You practiced seeing things. The way the the Bodhisattva does. Which is. We'll find out. ten, Ten reactions to the nature of things. The Bodhisattva is looking past the surface. Into the nature of things. And saying. You know what? Everything in the world is built Everything in the world has a creation date. It's made up of other stuff. Everything in the world comes from other things. So I I don't have to illustrate. Immediately, we all relate. Our bodies, those flowers, your latte. Sip it for about 15 minutes, and there's only half left in the cup. It's gone. Then you drop the cup, and the cup itself is made up of other stuff and goes away. This glass on my tabletop is made up of other stuff. It, was, it seems so hard and so magical. Glass is magic, but it's extremely fragile. It can, can change uh, with heat. So all things, all things made up of other stuff are, comma, here we go, What? Wuchang—that's the number one impermanent. Tonight is the teaching on impermanence. That's the—that's the whole. That's that's the one summary word. This is the the this is the description of impermanence. Wuchang literally not constant, lacking constants, inconstant. A lot of ways to translate this. Transient. We could also translate. Inconstant, not constant. So that is to say, Wu Now the next one, cool. That is translated in the English here as suffering. Not the best choice. The word "cool" in Chinese is used for both physical pain when you step on a on a, a nail. Ouch! 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 when you get a paper cut. Ouch, ouch, ouch. That's also cool. But here, when it translates the word dukkha, which is uh, to usually the Chinese character we use when we run into the Sanskrit word dukkha, a better translation is unsatisfactory. Unsatisfactory. Instead of suffering. Because it might be suffering, but... I think the Buddha was referring more than more less to suffering than he was to our reaction to conditioned armies, which is the, the my favorite way of describing this in plain street English is don't hit the spot. We all have that experience. Didn't hit the spot, didn't satisfy came with a lot of pizzazz. came with a big ad campaign, and when I got it, you know what? Same as everything else. Again, didn't hit the spot. Really disappointed. Didn't pay off. Didn't hit the mark. Didn't deliver the mail. Didn't live up to its promise. Okay? We know what that's about. And this cool here, dukkha, I think, has a lot more to do with our reaction to... Circumstance, Conditioned dharmas live up to that. Because why? We count on them. We invest in them. We wait for them. We crave them. We scheme to get them. And then when we get it, <sighs> same old. Didn't hit the spot. Didn't last long enough to even make a dent. Much less not hit the spot. And then it changed and went away. Ouch. So, suffering. Okay, Next. Bujing, impure. Um, again, I think that's that's gonna that translation is gonna be confusing, because don't think of impure in the sense of um, dirt or dirty. Impure, better. It, it's kind of a difficult idea. It's not pristine, not immaculate. Kind of, kind of in that place. They, um, there was a time when people were talking about uh, spiritual warriors as being immaculate and, and just so pristine, meaning your Kung Fu was total. You were absolutely not only unbeatable, but you never made the slightest mistake. Kind of like a Jedi, you know. Jedis are immaculate. Even when they're being at their strangest, there's a principle behind it. The the Zen master, the Chan master, is supposed to be immaculate. Never makes a mistake, because he and the Tao are one, or she and the Tao are one. So everything they do comes from the Tao. How could there be a flaw? Flawless would be even a better translation. Flawless, that's kind of nice. Because we have a, that word rings. Impure sounds like we're talking about dirty. Um, And you wash it again and make it pure. It's not that. It means that it's flawed, all conditioned things are flawed. They, they have gaps. You know. So bu anwan, um, having no peace, um, doesn't quite do it either. I'm picking, picking, picking at these translations. Not peaceful, stable, is what bu means. Not. Do you recognize the bull here? First one, wu chang, was wu, not, missing, absent. Then ku, unsatisfac- unsatisfactory. Bu jing, bu, bu an, bu An one. Down below we have another bu, and then we have two, three fays in a row. Three different words for not. So we have all the classical Chinese words for no or not. There's another one, there's a wu, fourth tone wu, which also means no, but that's it. Phu ways to say not or to indicate negativity. Bu, anwen, not peaceful, stable, tranquil, lasting. So shaky. That'd be a good street translation. Conditioned dharmas are shaky. That's actually, that would probably I wouldn't dare translate that, but that covers it. Conditioned dharmas are shaky. They're they are. <laughs> You know what I mean. Bu not peacefully established. Bu anwan. Bai hui, go bad. Subject to destruction. That's kind of, that's too grand. Subject to destruction. It, uh, I would definitely retranslate that. Bai hui means um, street language would be gone down, they are, they, they're beat why Defeat broken. Defeat damaged. They're, they're, they're beat up. All conditioned dharmas are beat up. That's simple English. All conditioned dharmas are defeated. They, they lose. All conditioned dharmas are losers. Loser. So here's our sutra looking past the surface and telling us what things made up of components are like they are broken down, beaten down defeated that's clear, not long lasting not long lasting not literally not long dwelling not long staying, not long lasting all conditioned dharmas don't last very long ain't it the truth So, here's Buddha Dharma. This is one of those hallmarks of the Buddha's teaching, and the ten, the third ground just gives it to us in strong dose. Chana shunmi. Chana, Sanskrit word kashana, means that long. Just means uh, there's actually this is uh, Sanskrit and the Indian mind loves. Uh, giving names to time divisions and also numbers so a, a kashana is actually a, a division of time it's not casual um, what do we say blink of an eye finger snap instant we have a lot of words for quick but they're pretty imprecise measure an instant A 100 people have 100 different durations right just an instant but in this, a kashana is actually measurable. There's, they're precise, and if we had an Indian rhetorician here, I'm sure he would give us exactly what a kashana is. But in a kashana, shang mia, born and dying, coming into being and going away. Conditioned dharmas come into being and go away in an instant. Bang. Now, really? Well, this glass tabletop, We've used this for 16 years now. So that's not exactly an instant. But then again, from the Buddha's perspective, maybe maybe it is quickly. If the Buddha is looking at world systems included in component dharmas, you know, our, our world, not the planet Earth, but the world from the Buddha's perspective, it's whew, come and gone just that fast. Chana, Miya in an instant, born and going away, coming into being, going away. Now, these, the next three are part of a piece. The next three are a, a, a pattern. Notice the similarity, right? Fei, 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 three phase, and Ji, uh, Sheng, and Ji, Qü, and then zai Zhu, okay. Fei, Cong, not from former boundary, limit, born, 非向, not towards, whole ji, later, latter, boundary, going. 非, zai zhu, not at present, stopping. Okay? So, conditioned dharmas, the key is past, future, present. That's that's the key. So, condition, one quality of conditioned dharmas is, They don't set themselves up in relation to the past. They don't have a relationship to the future. And you can't stop them in the present. So that really kind of pulls the rug on our sense of compound things as linear. What is the Buddha getting at? What is Vajra Treasury Bodhisattva getting at as he talks about Conditioned dharmas in time. That's that's probably worthy of a master's thesis. What what's going on here? So what are they? Conditioned things. All conditioned things. Don't. What is the the, the confusing part? Is chenji and hoji right? What is a qian, prior boundary? It's time. Where do you draw a line and say that's where the past was but it's now slipped over into the present? Where do you draw the line and say the present stops here and the future begins? There. You don't. Conditioned dharmas have this karmic time trajectory. They're born by what is the glue that holds conditioned, conditioned dharmas together? It's karma. That's true for our bodies, too. We hang together, earth, air, fire, and water, and our skandhas, our are, are heaps, as long as our karma allows us to. When that karma's come to an end, the debts that we owe or are owed to us, we're gone. We reincarnate somewhere else, we take another form somewhere else. So, what is it about conditioned dharmas? They don't come from a specific place in the past. They don't go towards a specific place in the future where they stop. And they're not stopping at any place that you can call now. Isn't that interesting? So, what are we doing? We're analyzing phenomena the way a scientist would. Notice that? This is not just random poetry from the Buddha or from the Bodhisattva as he looks at stuff. He's actually giving us a very um, empirical, that is to say, based on a system of knowledge, breakdown of the world around us. How interesting to look at it that way. He's saying, right, right. You want to know about things? Let me tell you about things. They will not satisfy your emotions. They will not submit to a timeline. They are uh, they come by in a hurry. They they won't they're, they're volatile. You could say translated as volatile. If you think about uh, compounds right? what's volatile? Well water is really volatile. Add heat and it Boils, add cold and it freezes. Water, H2O, is very active, really volatile. Alcohol evaporates, that's a volatile. We're into the realm of chemistry here. So the Buddha is saying, yep, conditioned dharmas are that way. They are volatile compounds with variations. A mountain is maybe less volatile than... uh, uh, than a river, for example, but it's relative. So here's a a very interesting breakdown of the things around us. All right, what's the point of that? Why do that? Well, it helps. Uh, it shakes up our understanding of our bodies, for one, and it can definitely give us some fuel to reorient our priorities if things are this unstable and so impermanent why do we waste so much time staring at our computer monitors why do we waste so much time as Master Hua would say looking around in the kitchen for something good to eat (laughs) hoping that finally it's going to pay off this is the one it's going to really satisfy I um, before I went to Taiwan in May I decided to, to uh, I had a smaller laptop so I decided to get out of uh, Creative Suite Adobe's high-end software package and so I thought what's the best because I, I use Photoshop. It's probably the one piece of software that Adobe makes that I still use, along with Acrobat for PDFs and all. But I thought, okay, I want to get something. And I've, I checked it out, and I asked friends, and I talked about it, and I went, well, there's you know Photoshop Elements, the smaller Photoshop. There's, well, Apple makes one called Aperture, which is the big brother of iTunes, iPhoto. And then there's Lightroom that Adobe makes. Then there's uh, other independent software. But yeah, you check it all out. There's all kinds of photo manipulation software that include organizers. You can gather everything. Well, I had a good organizer. I didn't need another one. I'm looking and looking. Finally settled on, okay, I'm familiar with Photoshop, but I don't want all the bells and whistles, so I'll go for Adobe Photoshop Elements the smaller package. So I got Adobe Photoshop Elements 9.0. You know, very happy. Okay, well, tried to learn it. It had a lot of quirks and funninesses. And again, it was way too much for what I needed. I have about five operations that I do for shrinking JPEGs and stuff. And uh, cropping, basically, is what I do. And so I got 9.0, and I owned it for about four months Adobe came out with Photoshop Elements 10.0 and of course I was over the time when you get a free upgrade. They want another $70 from me in order to upgrade to Adobe Photoshop Elements 10.0 and basically I said, (laughs) I did, I said that right to Adobe. If they were looking through my computer they were probably embarrassed they probably thought, this is a rude monk <laughs> you know, it's like, dude, come on you know, at least if you're going to change it so fast, give an upgrade path no upgrade path, got to pay full price if you're four, four months over, Three, 90 days, well maybe but... and so I go in the reviews, what about Photoshop Elements 10.0, why would I want it Well, it corrects a lot of the flaws in 9.0. You know, okay. So, plug that in to to these 10 qualities, right? Unsatisfying, Ah, having no peace, subject to destruction, not lasting long. Coming and going in an instant, right? Yeah, okay. Thank you, Adobe. Why do you tell us when it's time for us to give you more money? They do that. They let you know. We want more money from you now. You know, They put their hand in your pocket every mm, 12 months, maybe 18 months. Product cycle. Tell so you, you need another one. And the one that I had, the Creative Suite 2, which is now like so old it has cobwebs on it, was really nice software, but now Adobe Creative Suite five. You know, I've skipped all those generations. And if you buy the full package of Adobe Creative Suite, it's something like sixteen hundred dollars, right? For the big, full, major steroids, Adobe Creative Suite. Mostly, people buy the whole thing just to let other geeks know that they own it, right? You have to have a uh, account from your company to finance that, or from your school. Oh, boy, even with the student discount, it's $700. Yeah. So, ooh, my goodness. So, anyhow, there's an example of how the software world, and I'm sympathetic. I mean, I have many friends who are coders. They need to make a living. They, they sell you one package. They can't live on those proceeds for 18 months. They need to sell you another one because so the they have to live and eat but as a consumer it's, you know, I don't want to be groomed to, to feed them every, every time they tell me I should you know, so boy oh boy so now anybody I have Adobe Photoshop Elements 9.0 I'd be happy to give it to anybody who would like a copy and I, I won't use it I'm honest that way I have no pirated software in my computer None. None. I my computer. I paid for every bit of software I have. Never
1: upgrade.
0: There you go. All right. I like that. I like the way you think. He never upgraded. Unfortunately, guess what? With the advent of OS. 10 point, what is Lion? 7.2? Adobe Creative Suite 5 no longer works. Broken. Yeah, so you just, but you lose it as it goes away. My goodness. Then when the grid goes down and your computer doesn't turn on anymore, what software will we use? I do have, mind you, I have... Uh, Upstairs in the library, and I'm proud to be the owner of a Macintosh Plus, Macintosh SE30. You all impressed? No? An SE30. You young whippersnappers, you don't appreciate a Macintosh SE30. Back in the day, this was 1992 or 93. Cost $6,000 and it's this big. That was the Cadillac of Macintoshes. That was, and mine is fully enabled with all the RAM. I think it's got eight megabytes of RAM. <laughs> and you turn that sucker on and it goes, you get the happy smiling Mac. It's ready to compute. And it's nearly 20 years old. It's going strong. So nice. I have a fully tricked out Boy, at the time, I knew one person in Maryland, in my Montgomery College, where I was studying French to get ready for my PhD. One guy had an SE30, and he, was, he could really swagger on campus. <laughs> he had an SE30. Oh, boy, oh, boy. So, yeah, what a strange world we created. Conditioned dharmas. So once you start looking at the world around us and inside us as being conditioned, if you take it seriously, if you look at these dharmas as sacred truth, you go, thank you so much. Thank you so much, world-honored one. You know, Tathagata, thank you so much Buddha for, for turning your eye on ordinary stuff and taking us past the surface. Here's the way it is. you know. Here's the way it is. You go, yeah, mostly I don't want to know that. Mostly I'm super aware of all that and I don't want to know it. Hear no evil, see no evil, <clears throat> speak no evil. Right? So when we look at the nature of conditioned things, that's talking about the death of your body. I don't want to know that. That's talking about that cute guy who you hope is Mr. (laughs) Wright. He's gonna have wrinkled skin and, you know, he's not now, don't I don't want to take the gilding off the rose. You know, if you found Mr. Wright, go for it. More power to you. That is lovely. However, there is a time to be in love. There's a time to look at reality. So, if you can do both, you're right where you belong. So, man, oh man, you know, this is scary stuff if you take it seriously. Because what's left? Wisdom. What's left when you look at the world this way? Wisdom. You get X-ray vision. The Buddha, this, this passage gives us X-ray eyes. And it helps us balance in the midst of this incredible flow of stuff. But not only stuff, thoughts, stuff. If, if you think of thoughts as objects, what about our thoughts? Whew. Gone. Another one. Gone. Go meditate for 15 minutes and watch your thoughts. Choo. Go. So, relationships. Choo. This morning's breakfast. Choo. Right? There's nothing in the world that isn't made of other stuff. Go. That's, it's so clear and yet it's it's this is raw wisdom analysis at the same time it's poetic. I mean he's this is a human document. The Buddha is saying, do you see? Do you see? Wake up. It's relentless. And this is really scary. It's relentless when you look at it. You Because know, why? No exceptions. You can't bribe the Buddha and hope that he'll keep your car a little longer because you finally you paid it off and now it's starting to wear out. Nope. That car too has a future in the junk heap. So, powerful stuff. X-ray wisdom. Okay? Now, guess what? There's another whole paragraph with ten more. Ten more nasties. He gives it to us with double barrels. Alright, I'm gonna read and we'll go through. Here we go. Yo guan su fau 无有停机 Ru Huan He also contemplates how those conditioned things cannot be saved cannot be relied upon how they bring worries and lead to troubles how they are tied up with love and hate how they increase anxiety and sorrow. He contemplates how they create misery that never stops, so that the fires of greed, rage, and delusion burn without cease. He sees how dharmas bring with them a host of calamities, which increase and grow by day and night, yet all of which are, in reality, nothing but illusions. Beautiful. He further contemplates these dharmas as being, here's the wu again, wu, not savable. In other words, you can't put the brakes on the rapid decay of stuff. Wu yi cannot be relied upon. There's no safe place in the world. Talk about security. Homeland security? Give me a break. (laughs) If you were really serious about homeland security, you'd study the Dharma immediately. (laughs) It's going away. Terrorists! This is terrifying. So... Look at this, with worry, with pain, or, or grief, with worry, with grief, Cool. pain, and now, vexation, living together. Your roommate, no matter how far you run, no matter how far I go, my roommates are worry, grief, pain, and vexation. It's the nature of stuff. Okay. Tongzhu, together live. In other words, abide with, are neighbors of. Ai zeng so xi, tied up with, bound up with love and hate. This is love and hate. Those two extremes of feeling, of emotion. Cho qi worry and um uh, qi is like it's a uh, it's got it's the sound of the autumn wind when you know it's the it's really coming when the days are shorter, the nights are longer, that qi cho qi the 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 sound the grieving sound uh, that thin kind of wailing increases. That's that's the result of these dharmas. Increase anxiety and sorrow. Okay. Wuyo tingji, they do not stop accumulating. They don't stop. Tan hui greed, anger, greed, rage, delusion or stupidity the fire of, the fires of greed, the fire of rage, the fires of stupidity, which he blaze on and never stop. They just burn and don't stop. huan 终ホ, Chan. they're also tied up to all the many calamities. All the bad stuff in the world comes together with these, 日夜增长, day and night increase. And yet, as a punchline, Buddha says, they're like illusions and unreal. When I was preparing this, what uh, came to mind immediately was (laughs) Wall Street. occupy Wall Street the global financial crisis the 99% right? think about that apply that, plug that in so on both sides those who don't have it, the 99 and those who do, the 1% if you were maybe some of you are secretly and aren't telling if you were in that 1% and you just had so much money that you didn't you had to hire people to, to protect it and to somehow hide it from tax, offshore, uh, invested in hedge funds. If you were one of those people, the same situation. What is it? Conditioned things cannot be saved, they can't be relied upon. That money, where does it go when you die? Was it yours to begin with? Or was it just numbers in an account that had your name on it? Is it really yours? Can't be relied upon. It could go if this goes from recession to depression. Then where it'll overnight. We had remember when the when was it ninety uh, something when the the Asian Tigers collapsed. Remember at that time. The first it was Korea, then it was uh, Malaysia, then Indonesia, then China, then Taiwan, you know, China, Japan. And suddenly, suddenly, people woke up in the morning with two thirds of their wealth gone. I heard from some lay people in Malaysia about that situation. How, because overnight the markets crashed, they woke up in the morning to discover that their net worth had been cut not in half, but by two thirds. And that's it, it's gone, right? Can't be relied upon. How? Both from the 99 percent, who um, there was a statistic I saw yesterday that it was on um, it was uh, an economic uh, an economy blog that said 55 percent of American families made less than twenty three thousand dollars last year. Interesting. New, new reporting, accurate reporting. Yeah. That's not an average. That's factual. That's per per capita. So when you know, think, whoa, that's not a healthy situation. That's sounds like third world. A lot. Um, so love and hate tied to accumulation of financial wealth. Love and hate on both sides. Those people in the parks around the world, Oakland has is a crisis. Oakland's uh, Occupy, Occupy Oakland group was having a stare down with the police today. Um, we'll see. The That anxiety and sorrow, the autumn wind sound, right? Um, it how you just, you think, well, we're here demonstrating and they're there sipping latte and champagne from the balcony of Lehman Brothers or of Goldman Sachs and looking down and saying, yes, we're the 1%. Good luck, you know. On both sides of that, there is a sense of pressure. I've heard Duca described as pressure. The sense of the pressure of poverty, the pressure of accumulation, is not liberating. To have so much money does not set you free. Not that I'm one who has had money to know that, but I guarantee. At one point, at one point, I was in Aspen and... uh, after the Aspen Institute for Humanistic Studies finished for the year, I went down with a family to Houston. They were oil folks. And also uh, in the, the uh, Bush Senior Administration. And they were very, 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 very wealthy, I found out later. I didn't know at the time, uh, before I went, then I found out. And the amount of attention paid to security, anti-kidnapping, because they had three kids, and the kids, they had all their kidnapping drills down. They had bodyguards on every vehicle, on every door. They had a security system and dogs. Because one child grabbed to a kidnapper could, you know it would lead not only to headlines, because these are, this is a political family, but also to, uh, to real loss, so they had to pay off the ransom. So huge amount of money that created a cage for them to live in. They had to pen themselves in to protect from loss of all that they had. So who would think, you know, here we are. If you come into the Berkeley monastery, I mean, potentially you could steal a Buddha image, but they're not. They're mostly wood, you know. And we don't have any technology here. We had a boombox at one point. We left here, but then that we decided not to. That's bolted, and we lock that. It's hard to. I mean, you could come in, bang the the lock off, if you were serious about it. I have an iPhone, but it's in my pocket. You'd have to take my robe off. (laughs) Not interesting. (laughs) What iPhone? You didn't see it, did you? No. But I'm saying in this room, to come in the room, you know, it's like, what is there to steal? We open the door to the street twice a day. Downtown Berkeley. We open the door to the street twice a day. And depend upon people's goodwill to watch so that if somebody inappropriate coming to, you know, with greedy thoughts in their mind, blind to the fact that it's a church, or maybe because it's a church they come in, that we'll be able to to say, excuse me, sir, can I help you? Excuse me, ma'am, may I help you? Okay, and over 16 years we've had thieves twice. So, what that leads to is an attitude of not being afraid. I, I'm not in a cage of needing to be afraid of losing lots of stuff. Who's going to steal him? <laughs> So, the idea that somehow accumulating stuff is free of these dharmas when stuff accumulates the, the dynamic, the principle is the very same. The stuff you're accumulating doesn't last. It comes and goes. And as much What's the Gary Snyder, the poet, had this wonderful line, deathless line, uh, where he's uh, up on a ridge looking down at a shopping center, and he says, "And when I looked, I saw the people of my generation trading all their precious time for things." and every bit of stuff is a bit of your consciousness and as much stuff as you have that's how much your consciousness is is put out there life is short and furthermore life is all those things right passing away in an instant so how interesting, right? This is the Buddha's vision looking at the world that we live in. And, wow, E. <laughs> now, I wanted to uh, refer to um, what we call kind of the Buddhist, the ABCs of the Dharma, where there are said to be Um, qualities of all conditioned things, qualities of all dharmas that you hear a lot. And it is impermanent. Number two is not self. And the third is unsatisfying and we translate empty, but not empty doesn't work as a translation. So all things that come together are those three things impermanent, and that's our lesson tonight. Impermanent. Two, not. One of the things about those conditioned dharmas is you—they don't have an, any self in there. That when you go down to the core, that's it. And this is flower. I want you all to meet flower. You never get to flower if you look at that at that uh, carnation. carnation (laughs) you keep looking and looking and looking and it just comes into other stuff it becomes other stuff hydrocarbons you never get to the essence of flower cup never get to the essence of cup not self there's no intrinsic nature of anything that is ultimately that thing why? Compound. Component. Now, periodic table. Ha! Okay? So, periodic table. Anybody know? You all chemists know? Periodic table. If you've been through chemistry class, it's up there on this chart on the wall. And it has all the. How many are there now? Over, Why is, over uh,
1: probably or 12.
0: Anybody know precisely? I don't know. More than that, right? What? YC, do you happen to know? Present? Yeah, know. Out of it, yeah. That's a PhD chemist. She's, she's out of it. Okay, so, yeah, me neither. I think probably 100... Because they're, they're still in Benningham. Now, what's fun, if you want to get a little bit of local color, is go over to... It's not Evans. or It, it is. Evans Hall. Go to Evans Hall on the Berkeley campus, and walk down the classrooms on the second, third, and fourth floor, and you will find plaques beside the door where it says, in this room, in 1969, so-and-so discovered the element Californium in this room and was awarded the Nobel Prize. You know. There's half a dozen more than that, there are... UC Berkeley is the place where many of the periodic table, many of the elements were isolated, identified, and added. So that that's a founding brick of science. You know, it was added. A bit of the world was discovered and named there. Okay, what about the periodic table? Go deeper, and it's the same stuff. At a certain point, it becomes an element which they say irreducible no can be reduced further but there is a level where they say oh this atom of chloride this this atom of of hydrogen is hydrogen it's not oxygen this atom of oxygen is oxygen not hydrogen you know but when you go subatomic then it becomes components again so it's like we're back So how interesting. So, you one might ask, is there any place where I exist? Or, where do I exist? Interesting. Where do I exist? Where's the me? If everything about me is, where do we find this reviewed again? Diamond Sutra, everybody's favorite, the Vajra Sutra yī chè yǒu wèifǎ rú mèng huān pào yīng rú lù rǔ diàn yīng zuò rú all conditioned dharmas ha there's our word yī chè yǒu wèifǎ all compound dharmas rú mèng huān pào yīng like a dream like an illusion this word right here huān pào bubble yīng shadow rú lù drop rú lightning flash. You should contemplate them this way. See them the way they are. Iche yo wefa, all conditioned dharmas, what are they like? Han Pao Yin. Like a dream, like an illusion, like a bubble, like a shadow. Like a dewdrop, i.e., go on when the sun shines, dian, like a lightning flash. Contemplate them that way. That's another time when the Buddha is saying, "Here's the nature of stuff." Okay, later, later, he says, "Right. Also, not self. Also, unsatisfying and quote empty." So usually it's kukong, <laughs> "无常" wu impermanent, transient. "无我" not self. Kung, suffering, i.e., unsatisfying and empty. Those, that's the nature. He looks at things. Sometimes he takes it further and he says, Buru chiming, not like their names. That's a very cool lens to look through. All dharmas are not what they're advertised to be. Right? Cup? Nope. Mug. Not mug. Beza. Nope. Not a beza. It's a tasu etc., 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 on and on. Right, all things are not. I said, I said carnation, and you corrected me, chrysanthemum. Sure, it's not a rose. Yeah. No. What's the difference? None. Color, shape. You know, could be a rose if you go deeper. Not. It's a chrysanthemum. All dharmas are not like their names. For example, body. When I say body, you have an image. Boy, from a doctor's point of view, body is not a body. etc. So, that's okay, that's fun. When you get to things like loser. Oops. You know, what? Uh, uh, excuse me. You know, you, you say loser to this person. Are they a loser? The way you see it. You may call them a loser. But that person at the same moment you call them loser is also child of parents. Is also student of teachers. Is also potentially parent of children. Is also friend of friend. You know, loser? Nah. Not like their names. The names don't don't give you the thing. Okay. So, how interesting. This is a lens. We're looking at a lens tonight that we look through to look at ourselves and think, boy, thank you, Buddha, for opening up this, this scope whereby I can look at my life and the things that support my life a little deeper. How nice. Scary, but Helpful. Helpful. Because if this really becomes your way of looking, it is liberating. It's liberating. If you can really look through this lens at the things around you, us, suddenly you can not take it so seriously. Don't take it so seriously. Does uh Does everybody know Wavy Gravy? Wavy Gravy? Some people do. Anybody know Wavy Gravy? All right. Wavy Gravy is a neighbor of ours. He lives in (coughs) Berkeley with his wife. Her name is Mrs. Gravy. (laughs) And uh, Wavy Gravy is uh, uh, a... He's a guy, you know. But he also has this... Uh, showbiz media personality that comes out if anybody watched the movie Woodstock and I recommend it as a, a piece of uh, it's a cultural document from the 60s, 70s Wavy Gravy is, at that time was one of the heads of a collective commune called the Hog Farm And they were central in organizing Woodstock. And there's a moment where Wavy Gravy gets on the microphone and there's half a million people spread out on this pasture in upstate New York. And Wavy Gravy says, Good morning! What we have in mind is breakfast in bed for half a million people. Line up over here," he said. So, you know, it's like he's a funny guy. He's a bit of history. And he walks around with a fish rubber, but it's a fish. He carries a fish. He's usually got a propeller beanie. And he's you know, quite a I mean, he's not just a flake. He has a camp called Camp Winter Rainbow. Where it's a it's a clown camp, and it's if you are a kid from uh, underprivileged, underserved background, you go free to camp. Winter Rainbow. If you can pay, you pay. If your parents can pay, you pay. But you go to Camp Winter Rainbow and learn how to juggle. You learn how to walk on stilts. You learn how to clown, how to put on makeup, how to swing from a trapeze. Great. Super good camp. It's been there for years and years. He's old now. He actually had a had a serious operation not long ago. Anyway, the reason why I'm telling you about Wavy Gravy is Wavy Gravy uh, belongs on the board of SEVA also. And Nipun, our friend, um, is also on the board of SEVA. And he invited me to a SEVA board meeting once. And SEVA is the eye surgery organization that provides... Uh, free eye operations for cataract and blind folks around the world. Began in India and Nepal and went further. Um, so, Seba then spread out, but their mission was basically that. And they're, they're also Bay Area based. So, there we were in the meeting and Wavy shows up. And he has a policy that anybody who says the word seriously gets squirted. His fish was a squirt gun. And he lets you know. And as soon as somebody says, I'm serious about it, he go, ah, bing, 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 squirt. You know, and you, okay. I forgot. So, Wavy Gravy likes people to lighten up. So, if you, (laughs) right, pain in the neck. Well, on the other hand, it's it's. Pretty funny because it makes you aware of how much you how when you say seriously are you serious? no I'm, I'm, I'm serious you know squirt <laughs> no you're not <laughs> lighten up you know. so looking through these lens this lens at conditioned Dharmas it's hard to be serious squirt It's hard to take it all too seriously because why you realize that your seriousness, doesn't matter to the conditioned nature of all things. They're going to come apart. They're going to go away. It's just a matter of time. Sooner or later. So don't take it all so squirt. Seriously. Right? Well, if you say so. So the Buddha says, how interesting. I mean, this is really, really, uh, quote, game changer. This is <laughs> the words we use now. It's a game changer to look through this lens and realize that it's nothing. It's just a matter of time. If you, uh, you know, our lifespans are so short, but if, if we could... Uh, I, I was talking to somebody this week. Oh, oh, oh! Yes, yes, yes. Um, Betsy Rose came came by, and Betsy uh, spent three months with her father uh, in Washington, uh, seeing him out, escorting him on his journey. Um, her father, Dave Rose, lived to his nineties and had a wonderful end of life. With all his kids around him, and uh, gradually just. Passed on, but they, she was able to spend uh, three, two, two, two or three months with him celebrating and remembering and going through all the, the memories and photos and everything. So she, she made the point that his grandfather knew people who were in the Civil War. Her grandfather, her, his, his grandfather, her father's father, her great grandfather, Had friends who were Civil War veterans. You know, Civil War in America was a big, big, big deal. So, if you had a longevity, if you could look back, you would see so many things come through their life cycle. People who are 20 now have never not known the internet. Right? That, that accurate? World Wide Web. When was the World Wide Web? Tim Berners-Lee. So, if you had a long life, think of the things that you would have seen pass on and understand that everything goes through cheng, Zhu, Kong. cheng. everything in the world. Comes through, comes into being, stays for a while, decays, and goes away. Everything. Chang Hai, Kong. Coming into being, dwelling, we say, staying, pausing, decaying, going bad, going away. Everything. If our lifespan is shorter, if we're younger, everything is kind of like, yeah, it's the way it is. It's not the way it is. Hasn't been that way before. Won't be that way again in the future. It's how it is this instant. So the lessons of this are. Lighten up. Take advantage of. This moment. To wake up. All right. Uh, So. Next. Week the Bodhisattva applies the lessons of impermanence and to Buddhist Buddha Dharma and draws some conclusions about the Dharma and then he applies those very same lessons to living beings to us, to people who are not awake to the reality of all conditioned things and he He he, he makes some observations. So next week we get um, the application of this wisdom. Um, While I tune up my instrument, I want to uh, say that notice how what we're looking at is wisdom, not compassion. Everybody... Notice that? This this is... uh, When you're into the analysis of dharmas, particularly... This instrument went down... to... to, uh, Fremont... this afternoon, and needs a tune-up. So, when it's compassion, the Buddha builds on that vision of the inner nature of all things to to show us the sameness and why we should appreciate the sameness but this is the wisdom so there's prajna and there's karuna there's wisdom and there's compassion So when it's wisdom, it's cold, clinical. Seeing through to the heart of things. Then when it's compassion, then the Buddha says, and therefore... The Bodhisattva feels great sympathy for and and knocks himself out to to uh, put beings together so there's, this is the, the wisdom side let's uh, do our dedication to merit right now and I want to direct everybody's gaze upward look at that boy if that falls I'm in big trouble <laughs> I'm directly underneath <laughs> so that's our new screen Ooh, you didn't see that by golly, it took an entire day and five guys to put that up there. But it's done. By golly, look at that. And it's, it's neat looking. It's not only, you know, there, but it's cool looking. Very elegant. And it's the biggest damn screen you ever saw. It comes down, it's just a whole screen. So now with my projector, I get to stand way back there and throw an image that covers this space. The image that this that you can look at now is you'll see you'll see big, <laughs> big. We used to try to aim it at this little patch, little postage stamp screen, you know, and oh, it's to my little look, at it over there, right there. Now it's like whoa, you'll see, it's really big. Sherfu's face will be huge. There, so. All right, time to dedicate merit. The floodwaters broke into Bangkok. Yeah, they're they're having big, big problems trying to divert the floodwaters. They were hoping it was going to go around. It didn't transfer merit to the ground underneath Berkeley. We had another earthquake last night at midnight and two on Thursday, the Hayward Fault, directly beneath the Berkeley campus.